1: Well, I guess we don't have to worry about Tom Brady and the Bucs and whether or not they're going to be ready for the season. Goodness gracious, after just a disastrous first series in Houston on Saturday night.
0: Wait a minute, I turned it off after the first series. What happened? <laughs> well, I thought the, uh, I thought we are done for the season. It was going to be 0-17. Yeah,
1: I did read some of those comments as well after uh, three or four plays. Look, it wasn't good. I mean, it was less than good. I mean, first down, Antonio Brown jumps off sides. Second down, this is like a seven-yard loss on a running play. Um, third down, I think was a was a, a bad throw, and then fourth down was like a drop pass. So uh, the down after that because they had the penalty. But you know, it, I'm telling you, my my impression of of what I saw now. Now, first of all, they're not going to go no huddle, okay, very often, especially to start a game. That's something you wouldn't see, right? What's interesting about it is is that. It told me that Brady and And or Leftwich are are extremely in tune with what they want to do. Um because you know Brady called a lot of those plays or a lot of those audibles uh in the huddle. Leftwich sent him some in, you know, from the sideline, signaled or whatever. And he was as efficient the receivers, the routes were crisp. Ten straight completions after the first two misthrows throws, and they go ninety-one and ninety-three yards for touchdowns. And that was the time that uh, Bruce Arians went over and said, uh, that'll be enough. <laughs> Sit down over here, all of you guys. But, man, it, it just – and I and I recognize it's – let's not get carried away. It's preseason. No one's game planning for you. It's the Houston Texans who are god-awful, the worst team in the NFL. I'm pretty certain of saying that. Uh, so so there's all these reasons, right, to say, well, what are we watching here? But, I mean, I know what I know. And, and, and to be honest with you – They've looked like this in practice um, quite a bit. Now, you know, they got their butts kicked one Wednesday, the first joint practice with the Texans – or the Tennessee Titans, I'm sorry, a couple weeks ago, and then they battled back um, the next day and they were really, really good again. So it's not as if we haven't seen this, but it's hard, you know, when you're going against your own team or or, uh, even those two days. But to see, you know, live action where the quarterback can get hit, where – Uh, anything goes, and they just absolutely dice them. If I'm the Dallas Cowboys, that film scares me, and it scares me on a couple levels. One, your defense isn't very good, um, you know, which is why you spent a lot of draft picks on defense this year. I'm not saying they're going to be as bad as they were a year ago. Their problem was they couldn't stop the run, and, oh, yeah, Ronald Jones had a 14-yard touchdown and looked really fast doing it. Um, But, two, you know, Dak Prescott hasn't played at all, okay? And the one thing I realized when I was watching that game, yeah, there was some risk playing those guys, and there were some scary moments with Scotty Miller in his wrist. Um, I think there was another player that – I I think it was Giovanni Bernard who dropped the ball early. Mm -hmm. He turned his ankle a little bit, but nothing severe, nothing that would keep them out of a game. Um, So there is risk involved, but it it just reinforced to me that, you know what, in order to get ready to play football – You got to play football like in these teams that there are some teams that haven't played anybody. I mean, really, they just haven't played anybody the whole preseason. You know, Bruce Arians treated this game and so did Kansas City, by the way, as the third preseason game, because that's what it was. Right. No one ever played in the fourth preseason game because it was too close to the to the real deal. It was, you know, usually seven to 10 days before you're going to actually play a game and you don't want to get somebody hurt then because you can't get them back. Even a minor injury could knock a guy out for week one right if if he's hurt that close to the start of the regular season so that's why nobody would play anybody in the fourth preseason game but in this one you know it was it was handled by the bucks and some other teams as that quintessential third preseason game where the starters need to play a half or if they have success like the bucks did after the first series you get them out of there but i think you you know and, and no less than tom brady who's played 21 years said this after the game he's like look you got to have the you got to feel it. Like you have to you have to get out there and get in rhythm. You have to get out there and play. Um every year is different. You know, it's it's just it's not as easy as, you know, well, we have good players, we have got good guys. No, you got to see things in real time with a play clock. That's another thing. You know, during a practice, they may have a play clock out there, but no one's dropping flags if you're a little late getting the play in, you know? This one, you got guys counting down. The defense is moving. Every, you know, guys going in and out. The substitutions, all that needs to be live and count to some degree, uh, the way it would in a regular game, for you to feel it. And I think what they felt was a hell of a lot of success, and it looked really good. If I'm a Bucks fan or if I'm a Bucks player, I'm ready. For, I'm gonna be ready for the Dallas Cowboys um, when they come up here in a couple of weeks.
0: Well, if you remember on on Friday's podcast, we talked about needing to feel good, as you mentioned. But I I wasn't worried about Brady as much as you wanted the offensive weapons. You know, Mike Evans got a couple passes. Chris Godwin played very well with three catches. Mm -hmm. You know, it was the the weapon. They weren't dropping passes. They were catching them, Um, you know, feeling that, And we know that's been a problem throughout training camp for whatever reason. You know, it it seemed like the storyline every other day was drop passes again, drop passes. Well, they weren't dropping them on Saturday when it came to playing in a, a game. You know, mm-hmm. it's not it's preseason, but it's still a different opponent. Someone's trying to guard you. Right. You know, someone you don't know and, and you know, doesn't know what plays come and whatever else. So, you know, I, I think the momentum that they can take from that is going to be huge going into week one. And if you're Dallas, yeah, I'm scared.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, look, the Cowboys have a ton of talent, especially on offense. I mean, they really are a talented team. I just know and Dak deck has been throwing, they say, on the side. I don't care. It doesn't matter what level you're playing at for your first game. Um, since well, for him now, remember this is a guy that had a, you know a gruesome injury. I mean, he dislocated his ankle. Then he came to training camp and he had another problem, is a shoulder problem. Okay, so they shut him down, sent him to a baseball doctor, that sort of thing. But he hasn't played football longer than anybody. I mean, it's one thing to say, well, we haven't, I haven't played in a real game, you know, since last December. No, no. If you're Dak Prescott, you haven't played in a real game since, like, what, October of last year or late September? I mean, he got knocked out pretty early, so he's got even that to overcome, right? It's been a, it's been more than a minute, and you can simulate, I'm not saying he not played football, but he hasn't played in a game, and to be on national TV, to be kicking off the season in Tampa Bay at Raymond James Stadium, with a defense that's maybe better, but still building, right? They got a new defensive coordinator, of course, uh, and Everything it, it seem, would seemingly be going against them. But to not have that quarterback in live action despite all their weapons, if they think they're going to come in here and they're going to turn and hand the ball off to Ezekiel Elliott all day, that's not going to work. It's not going to work against this defense. And, you know, Zeke is a great running back, but Dak's going to have to win the game. And he's got great receivers, CeeDee Lamb. Amari uh, Cooper's been hurt. But, like, you know, they got plenty of weapons over there on that Dallas sideline and a, I think a pretty good coach in Mike McCarthy. But I'm telling you, what I saw uh, in this preseason game was precision. I mean, and Brady's arm, by the way, looks fine. (laughs) I mean, I don't know how he does it. 44 years old, uh, can absolutely still rip the football and put it in tight windows. It's good to see O.J. Howard make a big catch. He had had some drops, you know, the weekend, week before. Um, I just thought they looked great. And defensively, the first unit, which was only out there for a couple series, um, they had some, they missed some run fits, which is not a good thing. Right. Um, uh, and, and I realized that the Texans didn't have their kicker, so they weren't going to try any field goals, but they did get off the field on fourth down a couple of times. Um, I, I would have liked to have seen more of them cause I, I didn't think they played particularly well, but I know what's on that defense and you know, it's, it's pretty loaded now that doesn't mean anything cause the names don't beat you. They're gonna have to play better. I'm not sure that Todd Bowles was all that fired up about how they played, uh, but they didn't really allow anything. So, yeah, overall, I mean, here's the other thing. They come out of the preseason, and they're healthy. You know, they're completely healthy. There's not – other than Jordan Whitehead, who, you know, had the labor and surgery in the offseason, then he got hurt. I'm not sure it has it's related to the shoulder, but I don't know because they won't tell us. Uh, he's been out for going on three weeks now. Bruce Arians said on Sunday that he was confident or I guess he said hopeful that uh, Whitehead will be fine by the time we get to, you know, the Thursday night game against the Cowboys. He thinks he'll be back, even if he's not. Safety is one of those positions where they do have some depth. You know, Mike Edwards is a hell of a player. I mean, they've got guys that can come in and play safety for them. So uh, I'm not I wouldn't be too concerned about that against this Cowboys team, at least for week one. Uh, but you certainly would like to have Jordan Whitehead back. But outside of that, you know, what's what's the biggest concern right now is COVID. Mm-hmm. I mean, COVID is, is you know, in the state of Florida, I mean, look how many, I don't know, nine, ten players slash coaches from the Tennessee Titans. All they did was come down here for about, what, six, four days, four or five days, and they went back home with a ton of COVID cases. Because they probably ate out at restaurants and they probably, you know, uh, whatever they did for a few days here in Florida, uh, that spread was all over the locker room. We had, you know, Indomicon Sioux, when they got to Dallas, he did not make the trip. He had tested positive for COVID. Of course, we knew that Ryan Suckup was out because he went out with some ten- some friends from Tennessee. Could have been players or, and or coaches. Uh, and so he was out. Now, these are vaccinated players, by the way. And what Bruce Arians told us on Sunday, uh, I I said, you know, how how worried are you now with this sort you know, sort of rise in cases even on your team? And he goes, you know, what bothers me, he says, it's that we've got vaccinated players catching it. And he said, and they don't have any symptoms. He says, you know, nothing they have uh, symptom wise would prevent them from ever coming to work for anything. Um, They're vaccinated. And that's good and that's probably why they're mostly asymptomatic or don't have anything severe, but they can't come you know, they they're gonna be out for maybe up to ten days. Um and that's that's problematic because his thing is, you know, what is what are we gonna do? You know, we, we could this thing is so easily spread with a variant, especially um, you know, that I kind of got the sense that Bruce would like to say, look, if you're vaccinated and you're sick but you don't have any symptoms or you're, you know, have mild symptoms, no more than would keep you from going to work ever, then you should just be allowed to play. You know, why, why are we sitting these guys down? Um, I'm not sure that's going to fly with the union and or, or, and or the players, or the players association or the league. Um, but by the same token, it, it could be problematic. I mean, we could get to, you know, as this was the case, we found out the day of the game that Sue did not accompany the team to Houston. If that happens, you know, on the Wednesday before the the Thursday night game against the Cowboys, what if it's Tom Brady? You know, what if it's Mike Evans or Chris Godwin or all of them, you know? This is a big concern for them right now.
0: It's a tough one because the, the whole thing is if someone's infected, you don't want them to infect others.
1: That's correct. So you want to separate them.
0: Right. Yes. And and that's the whole premise behind it. And, and mm-hmm. I know, you know, Bruce has said, well, what if your team's 100 percent vaccinated? And I believe the Bucks are close to that.
1: He thinks they will be. Yeah.
0: But, you know, but it also goes to is every member of your staff vaccinated? You're,
1: you're, they have to be. Well, I'm not maybe not the support staff, but the uh, coaches. Well, honestly, I mean, support coaches, staff in that, too. I mean, yeah, you know, the I mean, coaches everybody you're coach, around,
0: everybody work. you're around in the organization
1: mm-hmm. and their families. Mm hmm. What if you infect a teammate who's got children under the age of 12 who can't get a vaccination or you have an immune compromised, you know, wife or parent at home? Well, and the the other part is,
0: well, and the other part is, okay. so you test positive, you go play and you're, you know, an offensive lineman who's, you know, banging up against a defensive lineman every play. Yep. You know, if you're, you know, you're going to get that team sick potentially yep. or whatever. I mean, you know, I, I get where the union's probably not going to be cool with it. And I don't think the NFL would be either because no. of those reasons. I mean, you know, the last thing they want is a COVID epidemic spreading throughout the league. I mean, you right. know, you're trying to contain it and stop it. I mean, you that's know, right. that's, that's, I mean, that's what the ultimate goal for both the union and the league is, is we want to play games. We want the most players out there playing. Mm hmm. But unfortunately, there may be times where your star player may be out because of this. You know, Dominican and missed this game. or oh, grant it's a preseason game. You know, not not the end of the world that he missed. A, you know, the third preseason game. But He's it could this could just
1: as easily play. happen the day before that Thursday night game. Yes, it could. And and I and I would live with terror. I I would I could see where you'd be concerned. But you're right. Um, I don't, the union's not going to go for it. What the union wants, I think, or at least the league has suggested. And I don't know if the union has gone for it. These guys who are vaccinated or tested every two weeks, they want it to be every week. Um, the Tennessee Titans, because they have a high caseload, they're able to ins- to institute sort of their own rules uh, at home. The Titans are going to make all their players wear masks again um, in the facility when they're all indoors. Now, vaccinated players don't have to do that uh, by the CBA. They're going to change that. Uh, you know, Bruce Arians was asked, hey, how you know? how do you feel about when your players are at home Going out to restaurants, meeting with family. He's like, "Look, you know, I trust our guys. They know what to do. They don't know, know know what not to do." And and as far as masks go, he said, "You know, when I feel like I want to wear a mask again, I'll make everybody else do it." He goes, "But right now, I'm gonna make not gonna make them do something I'm not willing to do myself." So there, there's just is just a look. None of us in this world right now, the way things are, are. We're all trying to figure this out and survive and and keep things alive, right? And this is a multi, multi multi-billion dollar business. They did this a year ago. They played an entire season without missing a game when there was no vaccine, when there was, you know, just COVID and, um, you know, everybody went through these incredible protocols and an NFL facility was safer statistically than probably any place you could be. Uh, and I think the Bucks and Bruce Arians deserve a lot of credit. I think one of the reasons they won a Super Bowl, and I've talked to guys on the staff, is that Arians is, you know, obsessed with this. Like he will not let anybody slack off. You know, if he sees a guy with a mask down now, he can find them, and he's told me he will. It's fourteen thousand six hundred fifteen fifty dollars uh, if you are breaking some kind of protocol, uh, and and he plans on doing that. But you know. I think a big reason why they won is because they beat the virus. You 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 can't you can't beat the Dallas Cowboys unless you can defeat the virus first, as far as that week goes. And it's it's a sacrifice. These guys are professionals. This is what they have to do for the next six months or so. Hopefully we get on the other end of this particular variant, but in Florida it's really, really bad. Um but I'll tell you, short of injuries, short of injuries and or COVID, you know, players having to miss games because of illness which happened very infrequently a year ago, Devin white, uh, Ronald Jones, you know, those guys missed, missed a game. Um, they had a little bit of a scare with their specialist, but they were able to play, but pretty much that was it. There really wasn't uh, an outbreak of any kind. And again, that's with, without vaccines, but they were tested every single day. I mean, it was even we were, uh, for about three quarters of the season. I'm here mm-hmm. to tell you that's, that's quite a commitment. Um, but I think short of, of something like that, you can't convince me this isn't one of the best teams in the National Football League and, and probably the best team in the NFC. I haven't seen the Rams. I think they're going to be interesting with Matthew Stafford and that great defense of theirs. Uh, I know that Sean McVay is a tremendous coach. Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, I mean, they were 13-3 the last two years. We're, I'd be, you'd be naive, especially in that division, to think they're not just going to run away with it because they are. Uh, so they'll be right there as well. Um, even if
0: Justin Fields takes over in Chicago.
1: <laughs> yes. Even if Justin Fields takes yeah. over. Yes. I'm conv- I Listen, I love the kid. He's not going to start the game one, by the way. Andy Dalton yeah. is. I think with Fields, like, you know, the one thing that people don't give these coaches credit for, and I, and I, I appreciate the fans and I, I see what I mm-hmm. see. Like Fields is dynamic. He can win with his feet. He can win with his arm, all that stuff. But understand this, like when you're watching a rookie play and it's preseason, okay, it's preseason, no one's game planning for Justin Fields. They're gathering a lot of tape on him. They're gathering a lot of information about him. But, you know, they're out there playing their guys, evaluating their guys. Um, And, you know, there there was a play a couple weeks ago. Remember that hit he took where the helmet went flying, the Mm -hmm. mouth guard went one way? Well, that was on him you know, and he got destroyed. I mean, and hits like that um, can shatter your confidence and or your your collarbone, okay? So that was one of those deals where he didn't see the free pass rusher, and his only protection in that instance is they're not going to block that guy. He's unblocked, okay? So you have to get rid of the football and hit your hot receiver, and that's how you stay alive in a situation like that. Never saw him, came off the edge, destroyed the guy. It's, it's little glimpses like that that tell you, wait a minute, are we putting this guy in harm's way? Does he really know enough to protect himself, okay, much less run the football team? And the answer is no, he couldn't possibly have enough just yet. Uh, they think they're a pretty good football team. They think they have a good defense. You know, will Justin Fields be their quarterback this year? Yes, probably sooner than later. But by the same token, is he the the guy that's best prepared to win a game in week one? I think they got to you know, it sounds trite, like it's like, wait a minute, what has Andy Dalton done lately? But I think Andy Dalton probably, you know, gets them in better positions to win right now. And at some point, I also think there's a coaching calculus to this too, because, you know, this could be the last year for that coaching staff. And whenever they turn to fields, you want to turn to him sort of like Wander Franco, right? When you bring Wander Franco up, you don't want him going back down. And he can go through his 0 for 18 stretch or whatever, but he's staying in the major leagues. You want to make sure he's ready before you bring him here. Same thing with Fields. I think when you put Fields in, you have to stick with the guy. You can't run him out six weeks later and have him sit down. So I, I just think they're being careful with that.
0: Look, you've talked about this a lot. If you don't start the right quarterback, if Justin Fields is the obvious choice in practice and you're starting Andy Dalton, you lose that team.
1: You do. You really do.
0: You know, And, and vice versa, if you're starting Andy Dalton – you know, or, or, you know, whichever, right. You've got to start better believe it. Yeah. You've got to start the best player there. Mm -hmm. Justin Fields is the quarterback of the future for the bears. No question about it. Right. Probably at some point this year, he becomes that quarterback
1: and probably sooner than later. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: You know, but you know, the bears also have a good team around him. You know, it's, it's easy for Jacksonville to say it's Trevor Lawrence's job because, one, they didn't have anybody else, but two, he is the franchise. He is
1: they're the not, franchise. They're
0: not going to the playoffs this year They're unless Trevor Lawrence is just un-freaking-believable.
1: They're not going next year either, but, yeah, right. I would agree with you.
0: You know, so it's easy to go, okay, Trevor, you know, number one draft. You know, last year, Cincinnati, Joe Burrow, you're our quarterback of the future. You've got to go in now. We're, we're not competing for a playoff this year, so we're mm-hmm. going to put you in and start learning. I mean, it's easy to do in that case. When you go to a team like the Bears, who has a good defense and has, you know, a better team around and has a shot at, to go to the playoffs and this and the other. They were a playoff
1: team last year. Yeah,
0: exactly. You've got to start the best quarterback that gives you a chance to win today.
1: Mm-hmm. It may
0: change three, four, six, eight weeks into the season,
1: possibly. Right. right.
0: But but you've got to start. It, it, otherwise, you lose that team. You know, you lose the locker room and, and you can't have that on a team that's trying to compete for the playoffs.
1: Now you're gonna have a divided locker room game week one because that's just the nature of locker rooms, right? There's mm-hmm. gonna be guys that feel like Fields gives them the best chance to win. They don't know what the coach knows, though. They're not the they're mm-hmm. not the quarterback's coach, they're not the offensive coordinator, they're not responsible for Justin Fields and trying to get him through the year. I think, you know, in the case of say Cincinnati, okay, yeah, he, he is the franchise, right? Unfortunately for Cincinnati, they had to expose that kid, um, to a horrible offensive line. And this is going to happen in Jacksonville where they got him hurt. They got him hurt because he didn't have a good enough football team around to protect him. Um, Fields, you know, has a little more mobility than Joe. That doesn't guarantee you because most of your mobile quarterbacks lead the league in sacks. People think it's the opposite, but it's not. It's true. You can go back. Michael Vick got sacked more than any quarterback every year in the league when he was playing. and, and, And he was as fast as anyone. But, you know, at the end of the day, it, you know, there is this sort of catch 22 when like when the franchise is there. And in case like Lawrence, where they say he's a generational quarterback, you hope he can survive the beating he's going to take until you can put a a good football team around him. And that may take two or three years, you know, Um, but you're willing to take the lumps because he is your guy. When you start winning with Peyton Manning, he's going to be your quarterback. When you start winning with, you know, whoever, some of these, uh, Patrick Mahomes, who sat his first year, he's going to be your quarterback when you start winning. So you want to preserve him if you can, um, but you, you know you're going to play him because he's he is the man. And I think that's different. I, I do think there'll be guys that'll be disappointed if Fields doesn't start, and they've already said that Dalton is. But the other thing for the coaches is, you know, one way you keep your job if you know short of winning. Let's say that Dalton starts out and they start losing a couple games, well. You know fields is gonna see how a game plan is made, how it's instituted, the corrections you make, how you go back out the next week against a different team with a different game plan, make those corrections, and so on right He's you gonna know, watch the game from a different perspective, and when they turn to him, hopefully he'll be prepared, better prepared than if it was like you're swimming like here's a game plan, try to figure it out, here's a game plan, figure it out you know at that point you're you're kind of like just hanging on, but when they turn to him, they turn to him forever. Well, let's say that the Bears start out two and four, okay? There's six games and there's 10 games left, okay? If I'm a head coach that's on the brink and I need to win to keep my job, but I turn to Justin Fields a few weeks into the season, and believe me, coaches think this way. They do. Then let's say I turn to Fields and there's 10 games left, and he goes five and five, and you know he wins three of the last five games and looks good doing it. What's the ownership going to say? good job with Justin Fields. I think we got our guy and you know what? I'd hate to change coaching staffs now and put him behind because he's got to learn a whole new offensive system. It's a Sounds it's a familiar. way of, it's yeah, it doesn't it? <laughs> it's it's a way of preserving your job. Um and I've seen it played over over and over in Tampa many times. So, I'll never forget um you know years ago John Gruden, uh, I think it was in 04, 04 or 05, but I think it was oh four. Yeah, it was oh four. They had won the Super Bowl and then 03 was kind of a disaster, and then they get into 04 and they're losing games. I think they started 0 3 or something like that. And Gruden had a meeting with Brad Johnson. He told Brad, I'm gonna make a change. Now they had no receivers. I think Tim Brown was on the team. I could run faster than Tim Brown at that time. Um and that says more about Tim Brown than me. But John wanted to make a change, and he brought Brad Johnson, and he was make a change at quarterback, you know. And he actually asked Brad, "What do you think I should do? Should I go to Greasy or Chris Sims?" And Brad said, "Well, you know, if you're trying to save your job, you go to Greasy. If you're trying to do the right thing and win games down the road and develop a guy, you go to Sims." Well, he went to Brian Greasy because he wasn't ready for Chris Sims to start losing because they were already 0-4. And the right thing to do, eventually, Sims replaced Greasy. Um, They didn't win at all that year in 4 but you know what? Sims was his quarterback after that and went to the playoffs. So, you know, I I think coaches really consider everything. What can I sell to the owner? You know, how can I sell them if I start, if I lose games with this guy, then, then where do I go? Um, so they're always trying to, you know, it's chess, it's not checkers, right? So they're always trying to be a couple of moves ahead, but that's where you, that's where if I'm, you know, if I'm the bears, I'm thinking, wait a minute, if I start fields and he's horrible cause he's not ready and he's just getting killed out here and we're losing games and I go to Dalton, Dalton's not going to play great. Okay. He might be a little better, might settle things down a little bit, but fields is our future. So in short order, we're going to go right back to him. You know, it, we can't go back and forth with a young quarterback like that. We just can't. Um, I'll get fired. You know, um, I remember as the a,
0: Bucks a couple years ago back, going back and forth between Fitzpatrick and Jameis. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. that was forced Fitzpatrick starting because Jameis was because of the three the first game
1: first three suspension. Games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, I thought it a was a to... mistake. I, I mean, I thought it was a mistake to go back to Fitzpatrick for the organization, but mm-hmm. somebody had to win a job, had to keep their job. Mm-hmm. and and that was a last-ditch effort by Dirk Cutter. He's got to win. i got to win games. I'm going back to the other guy. And when Fitzpatrick lost, <laughs> then he was done. He was, he was as good as fired, because they weren't going to fire Jameis. You know? um, that was a horrible year for uh, for Dirk Cutter. And when I look back on some of those football teams, too, they weren't very good. Jameis is going to be good this year. We'll talk about Jameis. I'm gonna, I'll be writing a story. That's the
0: other team in the NFC that
1: Oh yeah, they've won the NFC South. Oh yeah, they've Don't got a good,
0: you... good roster. Mm-hmm. You know, Kent Jameis cut down the turnovers.
1: Well, that's, can Sean that's... Payton
0: scheme it to where Jameis throws less turnovers?
1: And and I think I think that's the question. I think that's where you put your faith. I think where you put your faith, if you're a Saints fan or a Jameis fan, is you say, wait a minute, this is a head coach who is eight and one without Drew Brees the last two years. 8-1, and one, okay? Taysom Hill, uh, Teddy Bridgewater went 5-0. and zero. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is a starting quarterback in Denver. You know, he won the job over Drew Locke. Again, defensive coach, one a guy that's not going to make a lot of mistakes, that's Teddy. So, you know, the not making mistakes part is critical, but, you know, unlike the Bucks, and the Bucks bear responsibility here. You know, I'm not the biggest Jameis fan. I've never been a fan of anybody really quarterback wise, but when I covered him, I still think that he has a problem and, and, you know, but I also think some of it was thrust on him. Um, He went to the worst team in the NFL. He had sort of a Superman complex where he felt like he had to be the reason the organization changed. He's the first pick in the draft, all of that. Right. And he hadn't learned the NFL game, but you put Jameis on that football team. Uh, which, by the way, hasn't had a quarterback to throw a ball over 50 yards in about five years, and now all of a sudden the vertical game is open to you, and it was not before. Um, I had Devin White tell me the other day, um, we were talking, and and he told me, uh, we were talking about the New Orleans game, and that he made enormous plays, right? If you remember, New Orleans had a seven-point lead and had just completed a ball to their tight end across the Bucks' 45, 40-yard line, and that's when Antoine Winfield Jr. stripped the tight end, and uh, I think it was Cook, and he stripped them, and Devin White picked up the fumble, ran it, in the, ran it the other way, and the Bucks ended up scoring a touchdown. And then later in the game, um, you had the situation where Devin, you know, stepped in front and got the interception, and the Bucks were up three at that point. They went in, scored, and went up ten. So, you know, you had a situation where the Saints were on their way to going up 14 at home in a divisional playoff game. Fourteen at home when that strip, you know, occurred. So, you know, if that doesn't happen, it's a totally different game. And and White told me, he says, I think if if the Saints win that game, I think they win the Super Bowl. And I go, Really? He goes, Yep. They were bet they were the best team we played. Better than Green Bay. He thinks that they would have won the Super Bowl. now we know they beat the snot out of them during the regular season. What was it, thirty four to three in Tampa? Um and yeah, the Bucks- it was,
0: it was- Four straight yeah. drives for touchdowns and it was over oh, by the end of the first quarter practically.
1: Just horrible. The game was over. Yeah, the game was over right away. So they've still, you know, outside of the playoff game, they they've lost four or five in a row to the Saints and four straight seasons, the Saints have won the South. You gotta win the South to guarantee yourself a playoff spot. I'm not look, I'm convinced that the Bucks barring an injury to Tom Brady or everyone else. Uh, are they going to make the playoffs? All you have to do is look at Brady's track record. And yes, I realize he's forty-four, but this guy—I mean—in addition to going to Super Bowls, the year after they go to a Super Bowl, he's been—he's been to the Super Bowl like three or four times. The year after they've been to a Super Bowl, now they won once. Last team to repeat was Tom Brady in oh three oh four, um, but he's been—he's won a Super Bowl and went right back to the Super Bowl <laughs> and lost. He's made it to conference championships almost every time, playoffs every time, okay? I mean, the guy's a fixture. It's it's incredible, his record for getting into the postseason. But the New Orleans Saints is another one of those teams where people are going to be surprised at, at how much better. And they still have Taysom Hill, since he's not the starting quarterback. He's still going to be a wild card. He's still going to be a player on that team. You know, they they're they're starting to develop some other receivers because Michael Thomas is not going to be there. But believe me, Jameis is going to do some stuff. This, And we know this because we saw it. We saw the plays that he made. You hold your breath if you're an opponent of Jameis Winston's because you just never know uh, when he's going to run around and launch something 55 yards and some guy, like they did the other night, is going to make a circus catch. So I would put the Saints right in that mix, you know, that uh, the Bucks are going to have to, to, to play really well to beat them unless – um. Somehow, Jameis starts turning the ball over, but I don't think that Pay- that Sean Payton is going to put him in that position. I don't.
0: Well, that's you know. I guess we're going to see. You know, can Sean Payton come up with a scheme or the play calling to yeah. to help Jameis avoid those those situations? Yeah. You know, well, he's
1: got Alvin Kamara and a really good offensive line. So let's start there. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely, you know? and a good defense too,
1: and a really good defense. You know,
0: yeah, you know that that allows the ball you back. You know, well, get the ball back, but also. Allows you if you're Jameis and, and if Sean can help him throw the ball away if it's not there,
1: absolutely. And I you think, don't ha- yeah. you don't
0: have to be that Superman that the the complex you talked about the first couple years in Tampa Bay where right. I've got to do it all. I mean you know that's what Tom Brady's done for years.
1: Absolutely, it's, it's Tom- not
0: there. Throw it away. Well, you know our defense is good enough. We'll we'll get it back and yep. play for play for the next series. And you know I mean it's the NFL is a game of mistakes, and the totally. team that makes the least amount of mistakes generally wins the game.
1: Well, in and, and, and talking about Aaron Leftwich, and I know he said this to Tom, he said it to me the other day, you know, it's like, it's really a, I mean, it's a simple game that's extremely hard to do. It's extremely hard to execute, right? But Brady has, you know, guys come to this league, especially at the quarterback position, and they do. They have the ball on every play, and they feel like, I got to make a play because I got the ball. So, you know, um, but they need everyone else around them. its It's the ultimate team sport. If one guy screws up, the whole play is dead. Right. So they they're in the most dependent position on the football field. Somebody has to block for them. Somebody has to get open. Uh, somebody has to catch the ball. Somebody has to make a play. So all this is going on. Right. But by the same token, you know, with Brady, because he's not trying to prove something, he's not like, hey, I'm the I'm I'm the show. He keeps he, the way he sees the game is OK. So you're going to play cover, 2 We're going to run the ball. You're going to play up, we're going to throw it over your head. You're going to play inside leverage, we're throwing it outside. You're going to play outside leverage, we're throwing it inside. He really sees it that simple. And and it, it sounds like, well, it can't be that. No. For him, it's that easy. Like, he is not going to force things. Now, he'll still, he'll still be aggressive. And if he gets a one-on-one matchup, he'll take his shots down the field. Um, he's going to give guys a chance to make big plays. But he trusts his guys to make big plays, and he spent a lot of time with them now in the last year and a half um, to where he knows where they're going to be, and, and they know where the ball's going to be placed and all of that. Um, but for the most part, you know, Tom Brady's not going to let – he's not going to beat himself. You know, he's, he, he knows how to win football games. And for him, it's about winning games. He told Leftwich this last year, he said, look, and, and he told Jason Light, we just have to find a way to win enough games. Um, while we while we continue to get better but to to keep winning games so that by the time we get to Thanksgiving uh we're in a pretty good position to make our run and get into the playoffs and and be be good when we get there and he predicted the season that's exactly how it played out they found way to ways to win games they're down you know cup three touchdowns to the chargers and they come back and win you know i mean there were a lot of games where it was dark and stormy and he managed to to hang in there and find a way to win. I don't think that's going to be their problem this year. Their problem is going to be injuries, complacency, teams getting them into their best shot, that sort of thing. And I I don't see any complacency on this football team. Brady's probably not going to let them get there. Uh if there is somebody that's like that, they're not going to be playing. You can't control injuries. That's that's the big assassin, but man, he um he looks good and and but it's it's going to be it's going to be tougher than I think people realize. I still think, you know, I'm not going to give predictions just yet. I, I think they'll make the playoffs. We'll see how deep they go. And remember now, there's fans this year. This is the other thing. I said this last year going to the postseason. If you needed to win four games, you know, on the road, including the Super Bowl, which was at home, of course, but if you need to go on the road and win, last year was a year to do it. You did not have fans in opposing stadiums. That changes things. It just does. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to be better than they were a year ago because if they find themselves on the road in the postseason, they're going to have a lot more to contend with that they didn't have to contend with last season. Well, and, just... and,
0: for, and for those people that, you know, can the Bucks go 17-0? and 0? Sure, anything's possible. But <laughs> yeah. you've also got nine road games with fans this year.
1: Yeah, nine. The full that's right.
0: stadiums, not, not 10,000, 15,000. Nine road games of full stadiums.
1: That's right.
0: In the NFL, I, I can't see a team going nine and zero.
1: I don't. I don't. See, I don't see it either.
0: I mean, you know, eight and zero was hard enough when Brady did it back in '07, but mm-hmm. the, you know, the Bucks have nine road games this year.
1: No, they went sixteen and zero, and they didn't win the Super Bowl. So, no, nope. you know, and I don't. I don't see that happening. I think it's it's sort of ridiculous. You're going to have some hiccups along the way, and they certainly did a year ago, and they will again. And you don't know the injury situation. I mean, there's so many factors, but. As far as the football team itself, and we said this too in the, in the offseason, I think we saw a little bit of it Saturday night, Antonio Brown looks like Antonio Brown to me. He had knee surgery too, and he's been rehabbing with Alex Guerrero, and he looks quick, and he's always been a quick twitch guy. You're going to have him for you know potentially 17 games during the regular season instead of eight. Um, he absolutely knows the offense. Uh, they're loaded at, at the wide receiver position now. They needed all of them a year ago, and they probably will again. Um, but Antonio Brown is a difference maker, and and when you, he's your third receiver,
0: that's what I said. Think about this: say it's <laughs> third and seven. It's a passing mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Gronk, Gronk, or OJ Howard and Bernard in the backfield. <laughs> Not Who are you cover? Who are you cover? Not
1: bad. Somebody's getting a one on one. Somebody.
0: Somebody somebody's open getting one and one yeah right
1: exactly yeah you can't double everyone exactly
0: I mean you know you look at the, if, you know if you get a lineup like that you know take your pick Gronk or OJ Howard doesn't matter right and then Bernard out of the backfield who are you going to guard
1: very difficult the matchups are definitely in their favor if they can protect Tom and I think they will because I think that offensive line is is good enough and Tom protects himself by getting the ball out of his hands. I mean, he's not going to sit back there and hold it, except, you know, he may take some deep shots. But for the most part, um, they're a handful. I wouldn't want to be a defensive coordinator. And then, look, it's not like they can't run the football. Now, you know, what will kill you is exactly what got them the first series, you know, on Saturday. Bruce Arians said, he goes, we come out against Dallas, and we jump off sides, and then we miss a block, and we get a, a, a negative run play. And then we drop a pass or two, we're going to be down in that game. We're going to be, you know, give them that kind of field position. We're down seven nothing. You don't want to start games against good football teams that way, mm-hmm. you know. And they did that last year too many times. But so, you know, you still got to execute. It's not enough just to throw your names out there and 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 your rings and all that. Like you have to go out there and actually play. And it was a little, you know, going to a, a hurry up that early isn't something you would typically see. Um, Brady's capable of doing it, and it, but it jump-started them. It gave them a little bit of rhythm, a little bit of urgency. They needed to do it, uh, and they were able to pull it off. But I think it showed just how in sync Brady is with this offense, wh- how comfortable he is uh, you know, going fast, how comfortable his players are um, on the same page with him. And they were open. The ball was in the right spots. He knew where they were going to be. Uh, he hit them in stride. They made yards after the catch. It was beautiful. It was, a, it was two beautiful 90-plus-yard drives, so we'll see. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One team we don't have to worry about uh, too much as far as their offense goes is what, like the Tampa Bay Rays? They're they're scoring a few runs lately. Uh,
0: Just a few. I have some uh, interesting numbers for you.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: First of all, let's take you back to... Oh, the podcast in April first.
1: I remember it well.
0: And the title of the podcast is, and I'll paraphrase it because I, I don't have it in front of me this instant. But is this the best Rays offense ever?
1: Hmm. Wonder who could have said that or yeah, asked. Well, that question. I want to
0: know who backed off of it two weeks later. But <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, did you see him two weeks later? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm listen. There's going to be a lifeboat on the Titanic. I'm getting in it. That's all I got to say. I mean, I, hey, hey, if the ship's going down, I want off. So the Rays oh.
0: win 12-8 to 8 on Sunday. They have scored 696 runs this season. Goodness. That leads Major League Baseball.
1: They now are number one. They've scored the most runs.
0: They are one run ahead of the Houston Astros.
1: That's just incredible. That is
0: 5.35 5. runs a game.
1: That's incredible. They need to runs.
0: just average 3.4 runs a game for the next 32 games to have the best mark in franchise history.
1: Now, does it matter that they scored them all against the Baltimore? Orioles? Well, that's
0: definitely. <laughs> well, they, they, uh, they beat the Orioles eighteen out of nineteen games this year. They outscored them by seventy-nine runs.
1: That's just stupid.
0: Seventy-nine runs—that's over four runs a game. They played them nineteen times. Mm. Uh, the Rays are now eighty-two and forty-eight, which means they could go zero and thirty-two and still finish above five hundred. That's crazy. And 80 if they go 16 and 16 the rest of the way, they're at 98 wins, a franchise record.
1: I think they're going to win 100. I really do. I think they're going to win 100 games. You got to go
0: 18 and 14 the rest of the way to do that.
1: They're going to win 100. It's
0: very doable. Yeah. Um, the Yankees, who lost on Sunday night, thank you, the Oakland A's.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: So they had a 13 game win streak. They've lost two in a row since. So they've won 13 of their last 15 games. So go back to August 13th, before that streak started. The Yankees were seven and a half games behind the Rays. You go 13-2, and two, and you gain a game and a half.
1: <laughs> That's stupid.
0: Because the Rays are 11-3 and three in that window.
1: That had to be just demoralizing. <laughs> it just had to be.
0: It's the run the Rays are on. Wander Franco.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Now has gotten on base 29 straight games. That is... The highest mark ever, or at least the, I believe it's the highest mark ever in a single season for someone 20 or younger. Mm. Mickey Mantle did it 36 games in a row, but it was split over two seasons. So the end of one season and then the beginning of the next. Just incredible. Some of these numbers. are Joey Wendell on Sunday hadn't homered since June 9th.
1: Yeah, it went 50 games. Yeah. 50 games without a home run.
0: Yeah. Hits two Hit home two. runs, including a grand slam.
1: Six RBIs. Joey Wendell,
0: Chris Archer pitched well. Yeah, he did. Four innings, did very well. Uh, Josh Fleming, not so much in relief.
1: No, um,
0: you know you'd hope to just have Josh Fleming kill the last what four innings of the game. Yeah,
1: they were trying to get through it.
0: Yeah, because you're in a stretch of you know you just started a stretch of 13 games in a row, so you're trying to save your bullpen a little bit. Mm. That wasn't good on Sunday, but everything else, you know, unfortunately the Orioles are were, the, the Rays are done with the Orioles for the rest of the year. Uh, 18 the numbers wins that a team they piled up the record, yeah, it's eighteen wins over a team in one season It's just incredible.
1: I think Randy Orozarena, I think half his hits. I'm not kidding. I think half his hits are against Baltimore. If he wins rookie of the year, runs. he
0: should you know have to give half the award to the Orioles. <laughs> yeah, or he
1: should. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, he owns uh, them. They they put in a pitcher. I can't remember his name. They put in a guy that had given up Paul Fry. That, yeah. Did you see those numbers? He is against the Rays this
0: year against the Rays. It's, he's pitched an <laughs> was... inning and a third over like either five or six games and given up 15 earned runs.
1: He got four outs, <laughs> four outs, and gave up 15 runs. I mean, that's just like it. Your batting practice pitcher couldn't do any worse. I mean, if he was just up there laying them in there, he you would feel probably bad for the guy. I mean, uh, it was horrible. I mean, that, that man has a family. You know what I mean? Like, he's trying to do this for his living.
0: His ERA against the Rays is over 105. Yeah. This season.
1: 105. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wendell's home runs were not cheap ones either. Like, he got into it. One was back to back. He, had, uh, I forget who he just homered, but he followed him with a home run. They look really good. I mean, I think I still would like to see another starting pitcher, but maybe they don't need him. Maybe they'll be fine with the bullpen. Maybe they'll well, get four or five innings. And-
0: the rosters expand on Wednesday. You can add up to 28 players. now. It's not a 40-man roster anymore. But you can send guys up and down and option them just like you do. So presumably, J.P. FireEyes and David Robertson will be activated on th- Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Maybe earlier, but they, they're they in their rehab. Nick Anderson is looking better in his rehab. Close. His yeah. his velocity's not quite where it was before. Mm -hmm. but they're thinking of Nick like spring training, you know, it's going to take weeks to build him up to the the right arm speed. I mean, that's kind of, you know, getting him in shape for the year, basically. So he might be more of a mid September type guy. I think they'll call Mm -hmm. him up whenever the arms ready. uh, However long that takes, Um, you know, will we see Shane Boz in September? I think we probably will as they're, you know, trying to lengthen him. I think he pitched five innings the other night. Um, You know, so, you know, and, and, you know, the way – it's going to be different. I mean, the way the Rays are going to handle the postseason and their pitching staff is going to be very different than anything you've ever seen in the postseason. And it helps this year. There is off days unlike last year in series. Right. So, you know, I mean, the first series, five games, you've got two off days in there. Yeah. So, you know, but there's going to be, <laughs> well, be bullpen days. Well, there's going to be bullpen days. Yeah. You know, but they're going to have a lot of pitchers on the roster. Right, and they're going to have off days too to help with the rest and and that. So, um, you know, you we know how creative they can get. It'll be interesting to see what they do in the postseason. And I, don't I mean, think, don't, I don't think teams know what to prepare for in that regard either.
1: Don't you get a sense that they're going to have to beat the Yankees to go to the American to go to the World Series? Uh, well, I mean, or Houston, you know, I guess. You're gonna ha- well,
0: means. I mean, you know, the if you're gonna face the Yankees, it's gonna be the first round.
1: That's what I. That's what I think they're headed for.
0: Yeah, because I mean, you know, the, uh, unless you know both teams, unless somebody
1: knocks them off, lo- unless both
0: teams collapse and somebody else gets the best record.
1: Yeah, um, I mean that could happen. I mean, you know,
0: where the, either the Rays, or their Yankees lead is what
1: five, five and a half as we do this podcast, uh, I think six it's five games, it? six games because oh, six now, yeah, okay. because
0: the Yankees lost. Um, well, it all, it all it all depends on the Astros in that too because of uh,
1: the last uh, home, series home field
0: home field. You know, right now the Rays would host the wild-card team in the first round. Okay. Whoever wins that wild-card game. Because and that could got be, a, the, Yan- that yeah, could be the Yankees. They have a five-game lead over Houston and a six-game lead over the White Sox for the best record yeah. in the American League. So, barring – assuming the Rays, you know, finish at the top of the American League, then they're going to face the wild-card team, which means it would be the Yankees, Boston, or Oakland. Position. and I,
1: the rays look they're not they've had a lot of success at yankee yep. stadium of late like, they're not afraid of the yankees but this yankees team yep. is different because of yep. the additions they've made i mean they just are it is uh, yep. anthony rizzo um is a guy from texas i mean they
0: uh, joy gallo Andrew, yeah joy gallo Velasquez has done well there yeah
1: uh carlos stanton had homered in about five straight games the other day yep. i mean he he's swinging a hot bat judge has completely turned it around um no, it's a potent lineup. It's a difficult lineup, and we know who they got for the ninth inning. You know that I know they beat them <laughs> with a dramatic home run a year ago.
0: No, uh, yeah, but he's not. He's not doing that hot right now.
1: He's not I mean, playing that great. No. Yeah. He's I mean, he not. had
0: he had COVID, and so he's still kind of coming back from that. Chad Green gave up a home run in the eighth inning tonight.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. which is
0: why they lost. It was tied one-one in the eighth. He gave up a two-run. And they're the bound season,
1: to now. cool off. I mean, they won thirteen in a row. Oh,
0: yeah, I mean, they've lost two in a row now to Oakland. Right, um, who's kind of fighting to stay in the playoff? race. Trying
1: to get in it, yeah.
0: Uh, they're a cup. They're two and a half behind Boston, I think, for the second wild card. Mm-hmm. Um, and Seattle's hot on their tail too.
1: Um, Boston's playing better.
0: Yeah. Now this is a big look. The Rays have seven of the next ten games against Boston. Boston's in tonight for four, and they go to Boston next week. Boston can either make up a lot of ground, or you could bury Boston at this. point.
1: You could bury them, yeah. Kick dirt on them right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it, it, and then you got the Twins this weekend. They've been playing better of late. They're not a good team, but they've been playing better. Yeah. So this is a big home stand for the Rays. Like I said, this they've they what they played three games out of thirteen in a row now. So they right. don't have another off day till next Thursday after the Boston series on the road. So yeah, the big stretch here with thirty two to play though. But uh, like I said, you go five hundred the rest of the way, you set a franchise record for wins.
1: I think they're there. I think they're going to win over 100 games. I mean, I, that's just the way they're playing, unless unless they were to hit some kind of a skid and go below 500 for some reason. But, um, you know, they've been playing practically 600 baseball for a while. So, yeah, I, I think they've got it, which is incredible, right? Because every year Kevin Cash, you know, puts together a better resume and a better year. And I don't think he's going to be manager of the year. I think LaRusso is going to get that just out of nostalgia and the fact uh, that yeah. the White Sox are really good.
0: Oh, I think I think he Kevin Cash won't even be in the top three I think no. it'll be Larusa it'll be uh Kapler. Um, yeah um who's the other one i um oh um council in Milwaukee
1: Craig Council yeah yep
0: yeah I yeah. think those are your three manager of the year candidates basically
1: yeah and and I and listen the thing is gonna hurt cash and it shouldn't, but it forever will is the whole blake snell sixth inning thing i mean it's well
0: it will will. but the other part is they did win they went 40 and 20 had the best record in the american league last year they were supposed to be good again i mean you know you go whatever you're going to go this year and have the best record in the american league again it's not
1: it it it,
0: writers and and you know the people vote on these don't always you know look at the circumstances like well they were expected to win the american league east again you know, so but you know, Milwaukee wasn't Wait. expected to do what they're doing. The, I know. the Giants definitely weren't expected to do what they're. doing. I didn't doing see anymore. that, and most no, people I didn't, didn't think Tony La Russa would be a success. I mean, the White Sox were a good team, but
1: yeah, but he was. He is seventy five years old, so yeah. You don't know if his way was going to work, and plus, people just love a good story. You know, um, but Kevin Cash has done a hell of a job, and I and I, you know, still, folks, look at the payrolls. Look at where look at where the Rays find their players. Look at where. You know what? What these other teams are able to do uh, with buying free agents, et cetera, It's you know where I think the Rays, if they make it back to a World Series, I think they're going to run into a buzzsaw because I think you know both whether it's the Padres or the Dodgers or whoever comes out of there, they're loaded with pitching.
0: Padres right now aren't even going to make the playoffs.
1: I know the isn't Reds that crazy? Have passed
0: them in the in the National League.
1: That's crazy, isn't it?
0: Uh, San Diego struggled a lot. I mean, their pitching has not been. I mean, they've got it's some not been what they too.
1: hoped for. Yeah.
0: You uh, Darvish and that, and, and Blake Snell hasn't been what they'd hoped this year.
1: Yeah, although he pitched pretty well the other night, he didn't yeah. get the win. But uh, the
0: Giants was... are for no one. Everyone kind of thinks the Giants are just lucky. They're for real. They're a good uh, team.
1: Yeah, they're in that division to, to be playing as well as they are. You're a yeah. good team
0: and to have the best record in baseball.
1: Yeah, you're a good team. I mean, come on, <laughs> you can't fake it. That's the that's one thing I like about 162 games is it, it'll tell you who you are. You know, no one's getting a free pass for that many games. If if you if you put yourself in that company, you are a damn good team, um, and the Giants are. So there's whoever comes out of the National League will be a, a formidable opponent for anybody in the American League, and it's going to be, you know, if if the Rays get back there, can they finish the job? I mean, that's they're not quite at lightning status yet, where it's like Super World Series or bust, but it kind of is. You know, um, when you went over a hundred games in a season. You're expected to win the World Series. I mean, you got you got as good a look at it as anybody. So, God bless them. They're playing great baseball. It's fun to watch. It's really and Wander Franco. I mean, he's putting him, He's in there with Mickey Mantle. Like he's chasing Mickey Mantle at this point. Well,
0: they're putting up graphics that you know it's Ken Griffey Jr. and Mantle
1: or Al, Al Kaline, and, and you know, he's past doing, those guys. He, oh, he's yeah. past those guys.
0: It's incredible.
1: Is that what is he up to? Like twenty eight games now, twenty nine. 29, he's been on base? Yeah. Crazy. And most of those are hits, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, what he's doing. He's playing a better shortstop. It's just it's just fun to watch. So, this week uh, I mentioned that the Bucks will be off. Their players will be off at least until Thursday. Um, we'll be able to talk to some coaches. We're going to have some things out there, I think, at One Buck Place uh, as far as media availability uh, throughout the week. Um, I have spent the weekend. My fingers are down to the bone because I wrote so many stories for our special section that's going to come out. I think on September fifth, four days before the opener. But you'll start to see some of that product online in the Tampa Bay Times and on Uh Really good, good stuff. Um, getting you ready for the season and what the Bucks hope will be a a back to back run uh, to the to the Super Bowl, which would just be incredible. But I think they have a really good look at it. I really do. Um, Again, can't predict injuries and things like that, but this is a very talented, talented, motivated football team. It's going to be fun for them uh, to watch them. We'll have college football. College football began over the weekend. Week zero. Yeah, Nebraska doing really well. Woof. Pick up your I should have stayed at the University of Central Florida package, Scott Frost. How soon before they fire him at Nebraska?
0: Uh, I got to assume it's getting close.
1: If you can't beat, nothing against uh, the greatness of the University of Illinois with Lovey Smith, by the way, the uh, defensive coordinator of the Texans. Maybe that's why we shouldn't get too hyped about what Brady did the other night now that I think about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Rick, now don't go leading the charge. Uh, but if you can't beat Illinois and you're in the Big Ten, where are you circling? Is it Rutgers? Like I'm telling you, Grace have those guys ready to play. Nebraska is has just become this we should have never left the Big Twelve. Um and,
0: and you mean the current Big Twelve, the one without Oklahoma Yeah,
1: the and one Texas. without Oklahoma, and Texas, right. You could have been the big dog right now. But the turnovers that this that this football team has had under Scott Frost, first of all, you gotta find another quarterback. You just do. If that guy's going to put the ball on the ground and or throw as many interceptions as he has, it's just not going to work, man. It's, um, They just, they were, but Illinois took them apart a little bit. It got close at the end, but that I watched some of that game. But it's just great. You know what was great? And it's going to be great for the NFL, too. And it has kind of been the preseason. People still don't go to games in preseason, and for good reason, right? But um, seeing college football with the pageantry back, with the mm-hmm. fans back, it's a it's a different deal, right?
0: Lee Corso mm-hmm. was back on set.
1: Lee Corso was on set. That's right. Yeah, he's gonna have the silly hats and the you yeah. know all that stuff. It's the mascot from game. his
0: pool cage in Orlando. He's uh...
1: which was pretty exhaustive. I thought they yeah. built some pretty good sets there, man. It was wild. Um, but yeah, Lee's back. College game day. I mean, if I can wake up on Saturday morning and we're not on the road and the Bucks are at home and College Game Day is on and I've got three or four games. I can come up here in uh my palatial podcast studio <laughs> where we do this show we you know we need to do it from here one night we should just you should just come up well, you gotta have you over and it' would just like we'll set it right up but um if I can do that, cook a nice steak outside, and it's my favorite day of the year is that first cold front where. It goes from ninety to about seventy-five mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever. When, when you know what I mean, though, there's that yep. one one blast of cold air where you might go outside, like when it gets dark, and you might have to put on like I don't know a jacket or yep. a hoodie or something like that. And you're out there, and college football is on, and you're cooking the steaks or you're making dinner. That's the that's like the that's like we go, ah, we made it through the summer. We made it through. You know, the boiling and, and in this case, the hurricanes. By the way, I, I'm yeah. nervous for the people in New Orleans and in the South in general. This thing, this category four that just ramped itself up in the last couple of days, um, they are taking a beating. Uh, well, New in Orleans is
0: completely without power. The energy I mean, company had problems. And yeah, I mean, as we record this at about 11 o'clock on Sunday night, it's
1: uh, yeah. And you can't get the crew like the crews, they started going up there about three days ago. My dad used to do that work. And anytime there was a hurricane, they'd mm-hmm. start on up to the area um two or three days before it was supposed to strike. Um, but you can't you can't do anything until it's passed. You, know, you mm-hmm. can't go out in the storm and restore power. So people will be without it for weeks, um, yep. in some areas. But uh, you know, the first thing they gotta do is clear all the debris and you know. Um, We'll see what the flooding is. I mean, that's that's what you hope, that New Orleans doesn't go through what they went through, of course. Isn't it amazing, though, like 16 years to the day day. of Uh, Katrina?
0: So when Katrina hit, um, I I was working for Clear Channel at the time, radio, which Mm -hmm. became iHeartRadio now. Right. And so, you know, it was devastating, of course. And the radio stations were basically running out of Baton Rouge at that point. Uh, because new Orleans was such a mess and the staffs were just exhausted and so they brought in a bunch of people from around the country to help about a week after Katrina and I was one of the ones that went in and you're just helping anything they need you know just you know on-air stuff or boards or reporting you know it was just it was basically just you know the staff needs to go home they need to check on their family they gotta you know you know see what's they can salvage from their house or whatever it is I mean, you know yeah the things you don't think about for those that are working during this right and and so it was about 10 days after i w- I we went down to report in new orleans and and the, it's vacant it's empty mm. i mean you're seeing national guard marching down bourbon street and that's the only people there mm. i mean it's just eerie that you know it's not something you expect to see in america i mean quite frankly no, uh, just I remember how devastating that was. Ten days later, so some of the waters had subsided, but not all of them. And that, and just the the devastation and the condition of everything. I remember how bad it was. And this storm may be worse. Um, yeah, at least I, I don't think it's going to stay over New Orleans as long. But the winds, right. it's, it's you know, the winds are stronger, faster. You know, it just I I.
1: We're getting a lot of rain, too. And you hope those levees hold. I mean, that's what happened. They were breached last time. Remember the ninth ward and all of that? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. You know, it was like a year later, I think, we were able to go back to New Orleans. Because, you know, back in, was well, this was 06, right, I think? Oh, yep. um, well, the 05 season. Was, yeah, 06. Yeah, went 05. Back was, yep. Yeah, we went back. But um, that first season, they played uh, some games in San Antonio. We, I think the Bucks played them in Baton Rouge. Um, so we didn't go to New Orleans then, but when I finally right. did go back to New Orleans, it was a good year later or so, mm-hmm. and we're driving over this bridge and you could see the areas where those homes were flooded and you could see water lines mm-hmm. almost to the ceiling on these homes um, from the, out, the outside of the homes. So you just try to envision like, how in the hell does water get so high? You know, like mm-hmm. um, those people were just, they, they were buried. And uh, remember the Superdome was, was uh, pretty much wrecked and yep. all those people... Um, evacuated there and there's a big fema crisis and all of that um they lost a lot of population <laughs> people moved out of there went to houston went to different places because mm-hmm. they lost everything they they had to relocate um it was it was devastating that city although it's not a city that's unfamiliar with hurricanes you know hell they named a drink after one but um you know you just it, 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 they've been through a lot of these and they, i guess they're pretty used to it but this one has a lot of rain and the flooding and, and the storm surge and all that um you just worry about you know what it's going to do to those areas so hopefully those people will stay safe uh, i know that they were supposed to play a preseason game saturday afternoon they had moved it up arizona was actually in route to new orleans for the third preseason game and turned around halfway there and went back to phoenix because they were like yeah i guess the, the
0: saints are going to be practicing at at&t stadium this week
1: Is that what they're doing? They're going to Dallas. The
0: the ESPN scroll. They
1: open at home, I believe. That's the. I think that's the. They play Green Bay at home, Week One. Now we're still two weeks away from that, but you know that's that's who they host. It Was a tough football game, but uh, you just hope that everything is able to be put back together a little bit in that in that case. Although football isn't the least of their worries at this point, but it could be a situation where they're displaced again you know, um, it's hard to put on games when you have emergency, uh, and medical people that have to be used for evacuations or for, Mm -hmm. uh, treatment. Um, and then you need, you need the police and and security and and people like that to put on a a big event with 75,000 fans. Um, that that's where you're really stretching, you know, stretching everybody thin. So, um, I don't know what the future will be, uh, for New Orleans and the saints, but I just hope that Uh, those people got out of there, Uh, those that needed to evacuate did so, and and we won't have a repeat of what was just a catastrophe um, way back when and uh, Katrina went through there. So our thoughts are with them uh, tonight, but we will have more talk about college football. Hopefully talk to Matt Baker this week, talk Rays. Um, We're going to do a mailbag
0: tomorrow, so go ahead and get your questions in.
1: Yeah, that's right. Get your, your questions in. I'm sure you guys got a lot of them after watching that final preseason game. Uh, but ask us anything about the Rays, the Bucks, USF college football, uh, the Lightning, which are going to be starting up here before you know it. You can do that by sending it to us on Twitter at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at bay.com. For Steve Erskine, i Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.